the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. Another fine week. No really big news out. It's actually up, down a little bit today on the open, which is uh, not too bad. You know, it's one of the things that it's amazing to me that um, a lot of people don't still realize after all these years doing this program. I, I can't even, 1996, by the way, was when I started 1996. So we've got what? 25 years now, <laughs> 25 years saying the same things. And I'm just amazed. And, and I, this is not something that I made up. I'm just, these observations have been out there by other people for an extremely long time period. So the bottom line is if you're going to, make any money to date, particularly today, if you're going to make a decent return on your investments today, you're going to have to put up with more volatility than ever. Markets are more volatile than they've ever been. They move up and down incredibly quickly. You can't lock in your gains and avoid the losses. It's just impossible to do that. Uh, And I know that shocks a lot of people that heard me have heard me say, talk about cutting your losses when they're going, well, yeah, but aren't you cutting your losses? Well, yeah. See, you're cutting your losses. There is a loss there that you are stopping before it gets too bad. And that is a very specific style. Most of those types of styles today are so fast that you can't participate in them unless it's all you do all day, every day. And even then you're not going to have control over which stocks really take off and which ones go down. So we'll come back to that in the uh, later part of today's show (laughs) because uh, the way that I've been breaking up my show over the past few weeks is the first part of the show, I'm talking about long-term, what do things look like, where are the best places to be? The middle of the show, I focus on fixed income. That's basically where people used to put a lot of money Now they're still putting money and they don't understand what they're investing in bonds are. That's a for a a form of fixed income and it's most popular tax-free bonds are extremely popular and an awful lot of investors are out there investing in tax-free bonds that really don't understand how they work. And 
uh, I was just reminded that I've just, and I'm, I'm sure this person's like, Hey, you're using my information and don't worry. I'm not allowed to mention anybody's names. Uh, but it's just an observation that you, know, you can, when you see a bond, a bond is a, it used to be half of the series seven examination. That's the exam you had to take to be allowed to deal in securities and the NASD, uh, FINRA, um, the uh, NASDAQ, which is the NASD, SEC, New York Stock Exchange, they all got together. They, they pitched in for all these rules. The test when I took it was seven hours. It was a seven-hour exam, and it was a written exam. So, um, yeah, you had to know a little bit <laughs> to get past that test. And bonds made up half of the questions. Everybody thinks bonds are easy. I'm like, really? The, uh, well, that's because you've never dealt in bonds. <laughs> because if, you, if you've dealt in bonds for a long time, you realize there's a lot that goes to it. You know? And when you see a tax-free bond and the tax-free bonds yield is two or 3%, there's this thing on there. There's a couple, there, three flags come up, actually. Three flags come up. First of all, if it's if the yield is higher than treasury yields are, it's either because the bond is extremely long term, which makes it a lot more sensitive to interest rate increases or decreases, meaning it's going to fluctuate. And uh, people fluctuate. It's not supposed to fluctuate. It, it's insured. It's a bond. No, 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 no. It's insured to guarantee the original principal you paid if you wait for the 30 years that it will actually pay off, assuming that that company stays in business and the insurance company that sold the insurance on that bond is still in business. <laughs> if those, both of those things happen, yes, the, you, you would get back the par amount. Par is, uh, the original amount that they issued. Let's say it's a thousand dollar bond. That's, that's called par. We're going to issue these thousand dollar bonds. We're going to sell them to the public. And when we, when they're redeemed, we're going to pay a thousand bucks for it. That's the par. The, if you paid more than $1,000 for it, let's say you paid $1,100 or $1,200, why would you do that? Well, because the interest rate was higher on that bond. If the interest rate was higher, it would induce you to pay more money for it. However, when they mature, that $100 or $200 that you paid extra, you don't get that back. That's called a premium. And it's a, uh, anyway, make a long story short, Fixed income is, whether it's tax-free or not, you got to be really careful what you're investing in. My, my best advice in that area is, is stay relatively short-term in nature. Don't expect to make a lot of money. It's not there to make a lot of money today because you can't without taking an enormous amount of risk. So if you're looking for this to be a stabilizer. That's what we're looking for, a stabilizer in the portfolio. Something that's not going to drop by 50% the next time the market goes down 50%. And the market at some point in time will probably go down by 50% again. And every time I say that, people ask, well, do you know when it is? No. And if I did, I wouldn't have to work. Because if I knew exactly when it was going to be a 50% drop, see, there's this thing you can do. You can, uh, one of the other tests I had to take was the uh, options principles exam. I didn't have to. I just volunteered because I'm a glutton for punishment. And I also took a uh, the commodities. I got licensed in commodities so that I could do futures, commodities and futures. So 
that's how I know how difficult what I'm about to tell you is <laughs> to do. <laughs> if you could predict two or three, four or five percent moves, you know, not nothing huge, just four or five percent, just the average range of the S&P in a month. If you could predict that with a high degree of accuracy, I could show you how never have to work again. <laughs> so if you can do that, okay, call me up. <laughs> We're going to get rich. <laughs> and uh, that's how hard that is, by the way. It's a lot like winning lottery tickets, you know. Hey, all you got to do is pick six numbers. That's it. Six numbers. You know. <laughs> But uh, I know that seems outrageous, and, and it is outrageous. And, and it's outrageous for people to think that you should be able to predict within 4 or 5% what the market's going to do over a fairly short time period. Now, there will be somebody that gets that right, but it's not going to be skill. It's going to be luck. It's going to be the same way that they won the lottery. They got lucky. You have to get lucky to make good on those types of things. And one of these, when we start to do seminars again, I'll actually show people how to do that. So if you, you, you can't do it through my firm because that, that's worse than gambling. The odds are so far against you ever being successful doing that. Uh, you'd have, to, I, I can show you how to do it at another brokerage firm. <laughs> I just won't let you do it in my firm because you're basically going to be throwing money away for a very long time. And uh, that's, uh, that, that's not a good feeling. Having said that, there, there was a fund who knew that these events occur, and they don't occur very frequently. And it said, well, you know what? We think if we only take a small amount of money and invest it on basically making bets, if we make these small bets, they're not investing, they're betting, they're gambling. Okay, If we make these small uh, bets on a direction, Eventually, we think we're probably going to hit one, and it'll be worth every, every, all the agony of losing month after month after month. Okay. So this fund is five years old. The fund goes down 90%. Okay. It's down nine. You've lost, let, let's say you had all the money in the world that you have, 90% of it went away. Okay. And then that... 10% went up over 4,000% in one year. So you made all the money you lost, and I, I forget what the actual number is. I think you're somewhere around 250, 300% ahead of where you started five years earlier if you hadn't had a heart attack by the time that that happened. And if you would not have abandoned the strategy after five, or actually it was four straight years of losses, and those four straight years of losses led to a 90% drop. That's how you have a five-year return of 250% a year, by the way, <laughs> is you, done, you, did, you didn't give up. You understood the math, you understood the time that was involved, and you didn't give up. Now, that's for all you really sophisticated people out there. For most of us, by the way, the average investor, does. you don't need to know any of that. All you really need to know is that stocks have a tendency to keep up with their increases in sales uh, as long as they maintain their profit margin, and that should make sense. But when you look at the actual stock price movement, 
and you look at the sales and profit margins of the underlying companies, you're going to see they do not move in unison at all. And it's incredibly frustrating for an awful lot of people. Why is this stock going down? They just had their best quarter ever. Yeah, we'll see somebody else was already holding bit a whole bunch of shares of that stock waiting for that good news to come out because they have big profits in their stock position and they're looking to lighten up and loosen up, or take some profits. So that's one of the reasons stocks go down on really good news. There were people that knew that that good news was going to be there a long time ago. They'd invested a long time ago and now they're looking to take some of their profit. Or the profit, it's an all-time record, and it didn't come, the earnings didn't come in as high as they expected them to. So they decided to sell. And see, the problem is there are more funds available that can actually move a share price of any company up or down than there are stocks to buy. So that makes it a lot more difficult. Sometimes they're moving just because they're moving. There's a couple big funds that are rebalancing, or maybe they've had a, uh, a, a big request for a withdrawal that they didn't expect, and now they're going to have to sell stocks. So you can't predict that. that that's not predictable. And I'm just kind of, uh, uh, it, it's fascinating after all these years, I, I would have thought that you know this would be more common knowledge, and, and just, I guess it's not. So, which is a good thing for me, because... Uh, I like talking about it, so it's not that big a deal. But uh, it ultimately, what moves markets forward is that the economy grows. Uh, when the Fed prints money, guess what? That money circulates in the, economy, in the economy. Eventually, a lot of that money ends up flowing through a company like Procter & Gamble, who sells all kinds of stuff, Tide, Febreze, Pampers, you name it. There, You probably have 15 of their products in your house right now makes it easier for them to sell their product. When people have money in their pockets, it's a lot easier. That's the reason stocks have a tendency to do better than other asset classes. They can adjust. They can adjust their costs when it, when sales are slowing down, when the economy is slowing down. They can uh, re reduce some of the programs that they have that they may not need, that may not have been as necessary. They might cut back a little bit on advertising marketing, which is not a really good thing to do, but the... Uh, but they can, so they can actually skinny up and uh, kind of have some control over their profit margins, at least a little bit. And that, that's that's the main idea. And one of the reasons I, I'm bringing this up is because, you know, I'm saying I'm going to talk about economics and the economy on the first part of the show. And, and that's, that's basically how that works. Uh, you've got a whole bunch of technology companies out there, and technology is tough. I mean, technology is really tough because a new technology is going to come along and replace a lot of the technologies that we have today. In fact, a lot of what we've been talking about, there's a lot of new technologies I am so hopeful for. They're all competing for a big, the biggest piece of the pie of the uh, GDP that they can get. Uh, in other words, they want to do as much business as they can, but they've got competitors out there. And comp competition is a great thing. In the long run, it's it's very difficult when you're in the middle of it and you're competing, but uh, it's a really good thing we we progress a lot faster that way, I think. Anyway, the uh, the moves that are happening in the uh, electric distribution distribution, not the generation. The generation's one thing; it gets all the attention. By the way, and electrical generation that means 
you know, do we build another coal plant? Are we going to build a nuclear plant? Are we going to do the uh, hydrogen fuel cells? Uh, are we going to do solar? We're going to do wind. There are multiple ways of doing that. The fact that we have so many is actually a good thing for the economy. The economy grows with every new section that, that pops up. And uh, I've just got the, not only have about 60 seconds left before I have to take a commercial break. So I just want to let you know, if you hear anything and you'd like more information on, my name is Bill Bullington. You go to my website. It's called BullingtonCapital.com. I mean, it is BullingtonCapital.com. Or you can email me, Bill, at BullingtonCapital.com. But if you go to the website and you decide to fill out the form, uh, please fill out the question. (laughs) I mean, I'll I'll respond and say, uh, you, you asked me to get reach out in touch with you but you didn't ask a question so if you'd like to ask a question then uh, feel free to respond to this email <laughs> so that's basically what will happen and uh, we I don't worry about anybody ever pestering you I have a tough time calling back the people who want to talk to me so anyway I hear the music that means I'm going to take a commercial break this is Bill Bullington I'll be back after these messages does he see me in my trouble Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. If you guys want to re-listen to part of this uh, radio broadcast, it's actually a podcast as well. And you can go to 955thefish.com, go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com, or go to Radio 1. Uh, either way, it's uh, on all those. It's actually there are a couple other places that they ca- that carry it as well. I, I think Apple iTunes carries it. But the uh, anyway. Lots of places to get it. So if you hear something and you want to go back and, and re-listen to it, feel free. You can also reach out to me through email. I'll be glad to try to get back to you as quickly as I possibly can. So we talk about a lot of stuff, and I know I talk kind of fast. <laughs> so most of the time. And uh, so we were talking a little bit about the economy and how things were, were progressing. The rate of increases in technology is always accelerating, and that's that's going to be the carrier going forward next 10, 15, 20, 30, and 40 years. I mean, I, I look out and I see what they're trying to do, where we're headed with all this. And it really bodes well for job growth. I mean, big time. It bodes well for uh, financial markets. You know, both uh, the, the bonds are hard because you're not paying a lot. That's, not, that's good for the people that are issuing the debt, not the people that are buying them. So if you're in that category of buying bonds or looking for fixed income, then that's a lot more challenging. And that's kind of what we're talking about in this section of today's show. What do you do today? I mean, because let's say you were uh, 58 years old 
and you you had a hundred thousand dollars and you wanted to get a CD. Well, I just looked up an, on online and the highest CD rate CD rates for a five year CD, by the way, not a one year. One years are paying less than this. Were one percent. Okay, so on a hundred thousand dollars, one percent CD is a thousand bucks a year, a thousand dollars a year, and it's a five year CD. So if you sell it, there's a penalty in most cases, and you're going to give up some of the interest you paid. So if you went, let, let's say you did this for eight years, you're getting 1% a year for eight years. You know, that is a, not a lot. That's $108,000. If you didn't have to pay taxes, let's say you were doing it in your IRA. Plus you get the, um, the 1% on the 1% each year. So it'd be a little bit over $108,000. Okay. And the income that you could take off that would be about a thousand and eighty bucks. Wow. <laughs> Not, I don't think that's good. Okay. So if I did something different and let's say I, I decided that, all right, I'm going to take a, a fixed index annuity. Why? Because if I put a hundred thousand dollars in there today, and uh, in fact, I have to go, I have to pull this up. I have to apologize. My computer was updating and, uh, it, uh, when it, updated it actually lost my place so let's say i have a hundred thousand dollars and i'm going to wait oh over the next i don't know why i picked eight years but probably because i'm 58 and i would be a little bit past full retirement age at that point in time <laughs> so uh let's see uh, let, let's just take somebody who's um, going to be 65 next year so they invest because you have to wait for one year to get this and you show the life. I'm going to show the lifetime income on this. So at a hundred thousand bucks, I'm going to start taking income next year. If I have a CD at 1%, I'm going to get $800 uh, and I'll get a little bit over $800 if I wait a year. Cause I'll have $800. It gets 1%. So get okay, $808 a, you know, next year in income from a 1% CD. If I put it in the fixed index annuity, I get $5,800, okay? Now, I am not comparing this to a CD, by the way. CDs, you can cash them in and, you know, run. They're liquid. That's what we refer to as liquidity. These, because they're paying so much more, they, they, you have a penalty if you try to get out early. Now, even with the penalty, there's a chance that you would get back more than you took out because the money's invested in an index. That's why they call them fixed indexed annuities. The money's invested in an index, but you get to fall back on the fixed rate if the index doesn't do as well as the fixed rate does. So that's pretty cool. That's really cool. And uh, you won't be able to match it in government bonds. You won't be able to match it in tax-free bonds. And again, those things are, they're not the same animal, but when you're using them to try to generate income to supplement your income in retirement, that's when I think these have a huge advantage. If you just wanted to uh, let it grow on a tax deferred basis, you, you don't have to pay for the income benefit if you don't want it. I got it on mine, but you don't have to. 
it will grow based on whatever that index does minus the spread that the insurance company takes to uh, manage it. Okay. So I know that that's probably way too much information. Unfortunately, because of compliance, I have to tell you a lot of that stuff. That's confusing. <laughs> but here's something that, that, that's, uh, I'm going to change this again. I'm going to take some money. Let's see. It's my age. I'm going to go 58 again. Show my lifetime income on a hundred thousand bucks. So if you're 58 years old, and that means you got about nine years for full social security. And by the way, by the time nine years from now, it's going to be 70. You know, it's going to be 70. I promise you people are living longer. You know, it's super easy to fix the deficit in social security. All you have to do is not raise, not don't keep up with inflation with the annual increase and then raise and move the age out to 70. You're done. <laughs> Postponing full Social Security for two years will actually wipe out 95% of the funding issue that they're facing. So that's why I'm not really worried about it. I just kind of expect that I won't get the full Social Security until I'm older than you guys are that get it, are getting it now. That's okay. But let's say it, it, I'm wrong and, and I'm lucky and I, and I could get full Social Security at age 67 uh, the full Social Security age is the age where you can get full Social Security and keep working and not be penalized for the amount of money you're getting from Social Security. And that, that's that's a big deal because a lot of people take it at 62 and they keep working and they for every $3 they make, they have to give $2 of their Social Security back. And then they end up getting just a couple hundred bucks from Social Security and they miss out on the uh, uh, a lot of the gains, the increases on there. And they don't miss out on all of them, by the way, because you're still paying into Social Security than if you're working. But uh, it could cost you in the long run. We'll come back to that topic on a, on a future show. But anyway, so if I started out today, I put 100000 um, bucks at 67 On that $100,000, they would guarantee me $9,525 a year. Sweet. I You know what? Most people don't do that well in their stock accounts. Think about that for a second. Most people with the stock markets definitely had higher returns in the long run than fixed income. And, and it will really whoop up on it in the future with interest rates as low as they are now. The, uh, the dividend yield, um, I mean, heck, the, the dividend yield on the uh, S&P 500 is higher than CD rates are. So if there's... Uh, growth and evaluate it's also overvalued but i think you can offset that overvaluation with the growth that we're going to see in the economy over the next 10 years okay between now and 10 years from now i don't know i mean you had a period in in 2000 where the market went down 50 percent. it had just recovered in the fourth quarter of 2007 then it peaked and went down 50 percent again and by the time it recovered, you had you know twelve years. You had lost a decade there, a little over ten years with a negative return. If you had invested in March of two thousand, and you look to today, you go, oh well, that's okay because it's up a lot since then. Yeah, but if you were taking money out in March of two thousand and all the way up through that ten-year timer, there's a pretty good chance that you could have run out of money because it declined fifty percent twice. And all those dollars that you're cashing in when they're down have no chance to come back. And that's the sequence of timing risk I've been talking about. If you, you retire at the wrong time or 
just with the wrong strategy. See, somebody who was actually running a balanced fund, maybe a 60-40 blend, and they kept reinvesting uh, or rebalancing the portfolio once a year or once every other year, they actually have money left after all that because they were able to, they didn't go down quite as far. And when the market did go down, instead of running and, and hiding the way that we all want to, uh, if they really bit the bullet and did what they knew they were supposed to do and rebalance the portfolio, what does that mean? Well, if the stocks went down, you probably should be adding to them, not selling them. Uh, and even just staying the course, just staying the same would have been a much, would have had much higher returns. So if you started out at 60-40 and did nothing through that time period, you did better than the average investor did. And you would still have money. You wouldn't have run out of money. It's kind of a big deal. That's a really big deal. If you had a big chunk of your money in a fixed indexed annuity where the income was guaranteed, you don't even worry about that part. Okay, You just want to make sure that the insurance company is a good one. And you do the best you can. That's why I, they have to have an A-plus rating or I'm not using the, the company. I actually uh, I have one that I like a lot. I think you all probably know about it, anybody that's listened. Um, and, oh, you know, this is another thing, that the stock side, um, the equity side. Oh, my microphone just clicked off for a second there. Uh, the... Uh, the stock side, there is, there's another type of annuity out there that doesn't have any sales charge in or out. There's no holding period, no penalties. You can put 100% of the money into stock funds. You can add a rider if you'd like to that will guarantee a minimum income. I like to call it the Gumby annuity because it's so flexible. You're probably getting tired of that joke by now, but that, that's okay. I'm going to use it anyway the, uh, because it's just so appropriate. <laughs> it is really, really flexible. You could, uh, you, you're not obligated to stay with it. If you don't like it, you can pull the money out. You got to be careful if it's if it's not in an IRA. Then uh, you got to watch. You might have to pay more in in taxes, especially if you're under the age of fifty nine and a half. If you're over the age of fifty nine and a half, then don't worry about it. You, you'll pay some money in taxes if you've had gains on it. Uh, if you don't have gains, then you take some losses. But the, uh, I think, I better double check on that. But uh, anyway, it's got 350 funds in there. I have a model that I use to, to rotate in the stocks. Now that they're putting, I, I can't believe they're allowing us to do this. They're allowing us to go 100% in stock. Most of the accounts I have in there were balanced accounts. It was a third fixed income, or so a third bonds, two-thirds stock funds. And I would take the top two performing stock funds, uh, break them up uh, equally. So I got a third, a third, a third. I've been extremely happy with how well that's worked over the past 10 or 12 years, 15 years in some cases, in the, in the longest case, by the way. But the um, I've been very, very happy. So have the, the clients. And never getting a 1099 all this time? Think about that for a second. You have taxable money. You have taxable mutual funds, you, dividends, capital gains. You have to pay taxes whether you spent any money or not. You could keep those things, have them reinvested in this product. So... If you have more questions on that, uh, feel free to reach out. I will send you a link to a website. You can read about it by yourself. If you have questions, then you can call. And again, um, we never pressure anybody. I want you to do what's comfortable for you. My job here is to bring as much information as possible to you that I think is useful. 
And I think something like this is incredibly useful. I really, really like these, uh, this particular product. And again, uh, there's no sales charge in, no sales charge out. There's no holding period on that one. Uh, people get it confused, by the way. You're going to get it confused with the fixed index annuity. And what, what's really funny is people will pick out the best attributes from both products and say, well, that's what I want. And they're, they're basically creating their own product that doesn't exist. <laughs> the, uh, so there are some decisions that you have to make. The guarantees that you can add to the, the, the Gumby annuity are not as high as the guarantees on the fixed that's why the term fixed uh, is probably more appropriate because it stays fixed. It's higher to start out with, but it can't go up. The other one has the potential, and it should actually rise over time. Income that you could get would start out at 4 or 3.75% because, again, uh, you can take your money out and there's no penalties. But if the account value grows, that income goes up. That's pretty cool. You could actually end up getting out way more money from that one than you would the fixed index product. So anyway, you have questions on either one of those. And I know this probably struck a chord in some people. Just go to my website or give us a call, 330-664-0700. Um, be glad to, to talk about this. I think these two innovations are extremely timely. They're, I'm so glad there are companies out there that are paying attention. Because there was a need for these products and they developed them. There was a big need for these products and they developed them. So I got about uh, 30 seconds here before I got to take a real quick commercial break. When we come back, we will talk about the individual stocks. And I, I apologize to all you guys that like to do the stocks out there. You have to listen to the first two thirds of the program to get to that point. But the, um, and uh, to be really cruel, I'm going to start mixing it up on you. No, I'm just kidding. The, uh, <laughs> So the stock portion will be up next. It's something that I really find near and dear to my heart. It's fun. It can be very profitable. It can also be very stressful uh, if you don't come at it with a certain um, mindset. And it is really about a mindset. You, anybody can be successful in the stock market, I feel like. So anyway, I'll be right back after these commercial messages. Stay tuned. who was shouting, shouting. I lean in, I know that I need to listen Through all of the thunder you whisper Even in doubt you are with me, with me Like a love song that I've always known Your word hits me deep inside my soul When you speak back like it or not <laughs> this is bill bullington i'm here every saturday morning from 11 to noon feel free to reach out to me if you'd like to talk to me during the week you can go to my website to contact me uh, the website is bullingtoncapital.com and for the last portion of today's show we're going to focus on what a lot of people like and it's near and dear to my heart you know looking at stocks investing in stocks i 
personally, I think it's fun. I think it's the most fun you can have without going to jail. <laughs> and, uh, but it, it all depends on your mindset. I have to remind you, I went, I played division one football. <laughs> my, my head is not in the same place that a lot of other people's are good or bad. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, uh, you kind of have to be, uh, uh, overlooking the challenges. Um, I really like it. So, and I know there are a lot of you guys out there that like it cause through the, out the years and I feel bad. I've been uh, having people because I talk a lot about the fixed index annuity. See, and here's the, here's the thing about that. The fixed index annuity is a good product for today because interest rates are so low and probably going to stay that way for a very long time period. I, I really believe that the, the rates that they're willing to guarantee are going to go down in the future. Don't know when, but I really feel that that's the way it's going to go. I look at the stock market. I mean, that it doesn't, uh, I'm not afraid. I know we'll have corrections. That's just part of the, the picture. Portfolio Tailoring your portfolio to fit your personality is kind of key. It is key. Uh, if you're going to use individual stocks, I can't do a lot of them. I actually don't do any for any individual clients anymore because they're too fast. You have to know what you want to do ahead of time. We can't, uh, I have too many families to try to manage individual stocks. When you see the speed, it's mind-boggling. I mean, absolutely mind-boggling. What used to take a year and a half to two years will happen in six weeks. And then it'll repeat itself. <laughs> so that's tough. Um, I mean, I like it because there's more opportunity. You can actually hold a lot more money in cash. And just, you know, so let's say you got your speculative stock portfolio. And it's less than 20% of your assets, which is what I'd recommend. You might only have 60% of that ever invested at any one point in time. Why? Because stocks move so fast, you don't need to do that. If you got 5% positions on, the maximum number of stocks you'll have is 20. And today with the technology, anybody can follow 20 stocks. That's not hard. Actually, the, the software at the brokerage firms will follow the stocks for you. You just set it up. And if you don't know how to do that, well, we got a seminar coming up. We have to set the date for this fall. And I'll show you how to do that. Yeah, it's really pretty simple. Um, the hard part is deciding which stocks you want to buy. Now, to do that, I look at, I'm not looking at long-term. This is trading, people. This is not long-term investing. Trading and long-term investing are... The only thing they have in common is that they both involve stocks. That's it. Not the same thing. I want to, as soon as I say that, somebody's going to call me up and, uh, um, hang on one second. Sorry about that. As soon as I do that, somebody is going to call me up and is going to, um, buy a stock. That's a trade. And they're going to not put a stop on it. And it's going to drop a lot. And they're going to be upset. And I go, man, you got, you got to listen. I can't, I can't control that. You have to listen. And when I've got five stop or 5% positions and I have a, typically I use a 10% initial stop loss. Okay. That keeps my risk to the portfolio, the theoretical risk anyway, you know, 10% of 5% is one half of 1%. That's why I don't have to worry about it. That's why I don't sound worried. 
It's a, uh, uh, the reason I don't sound worried is because I'm not worried. First of all, it's less than 20% of my total assets in those, in that account anyway, a lot less. And if I got it divided up amongst 20 stocks, when I'm looking at that particular account, one stock that's got 5% in it with a 10% initial stop represents a one half of 1% risk. Theoretical. The reason I say theoretical is because if you ever do this for any length of time, you're going to buy a stock, you're going to put a stop on it, and bad news is going to come out on one of those stocks, and it's going to drop more than 10% before you get sold. That's called blowing through your stop. That's the high te highly technical term, blowing through the stop. <laughs> that means the selling was so intense that before they could get your order executed, it was down more than 10%. So that's another reason to limit that position to 5% and keep that 10% initial stop. We want to try to keep the losses as small as humanly possible because if, if you're fishing in the right pond, eventually you'll hit some big winners. And that's typically how this works. You get a handful of really big winners that will actually carry your portfolio. The vast majority, you make a little bit of money, you lose a little bit of money. Uh, you end up losing on probably more transactions than you make money on. That doesn't matter. Everybody thinks that matters. That's a fallacy. You do not have to win on more than half your. Actually, you can if you win on thirty three uh, percent, a third basically of of your investments, or even thirty percent, you can make a lot of money. Remember when I talked about that fund at the beginning of the show that was down four years in a row. And then came flying back with a 40, it was 40,000% or 4,000, I'm sorry, 4,000% return, which put it up about 250% or so from the beginning of the fund five years earlier. Now, it would have been really, really difficult if you didn't know the math to stick it out, to, to stick something out for four years where you're just constantly losing until you finally get to that, that one big event that makes it all back and then some, I'm telling you, that is a mentally tough person. <laughs> or they just invested money in there that they didn't care if they lost at all and just kept doing it. That's, that's a big part of it. When you're doing this, it, there's a, it's a really good lesson. It'll teach you an awful lot about the stock market, how the stock market really works, uh, not how people think it work, thinks it works. Is that right? Yeah, whatever. Or how they would like it to work. I can tell you psychologically, a lot of people can't invest because the market doesn't work like they want it to. They get frustrated. And every time the market goes down and they're losing a little bit of money, they're, they're like, I'm out of here. You know, I, I can tell you that mentality will is extremely difficult. When I say extremely difficult, I mean... To, to make money in stocks with that mentality, I am not willing to put up with any fluctuation. I want to beat the market all the time. That is horribly damaging to your long-term portfolio, to your long-term returns. And it's going to have a big impact on your lifestyle if you, don't, if you don't learn how to control that. And it's a learned behavior. It is absolutely a learned behavior. Dealing with individual stocks or just the stock market in general is a learned behavior. It is not intuitive. In fact, it's counterintuitive in a lot of cases. Stocks work the opposite of the way that you think they should, particularly in the short run. Now, you don't get to decide what the short run is. That's the biggest problem that I see. People kind of think, well, you know, the short run should be the next six to eight weeks or the next six to eight months. 
No, how about the next six to eight years? Okay, that's the short run. If you're going to be an investor or even a trader, okay, if you're going to trade, most of your gains are going to come in about 20% of the time. At least that's the averages over the past couple hundred years in this country. With every investor that's done well, and I'm saying investor or longer-term trader, there are some short-term traders who basically front-run and scalp, and if you don't know what those terms are, don't worry about it. You hear about these guys. They're, they're called high-frequency traders. They, they're literally given licenses to jump in the front of the line and get out quicker. So it'd be hard not to make money that way. <laughs> you only have to have a couple billion dollars and some contacts, and uh, yeah, that's a lot. And trying to compete with them... You better be really fast because they measure their speed in one millionth of a second. That's their execution speeds are in millionths of a second. So that stuff you shouldn't be doing. The stuff that you hear about with uh, on uh, these kids playing with these stocks that are flying all over the place, that's 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 completely unorganized. You have no. Uh, you can make money on luck there, but if you keep Going back to that well, the luck, it's going to go dry. Your luck's going to run out, in other words, and, and it'll be bad. And I hate seeing that. I hate people losing money unnecessarily. So it's one of the reasons I still do seminars, and it's one of the reasons I'll continue to do seminars because we'll be talking about that. How, what, are, what are the best ways for somebody to be able to do this? By the way, a lot of the funds that I use in the models that I run for people are using uh, very similar models themselves they're doing all math what i'm doing is is 95 percent math the five percent of myself that i put into the portfolio is basically i buy the stocks that i like who have uh, passed all the criteria mathematically if they pass all the t criteria mathematically then i select from those and i only do it like i said i do it with less than 20 percent of my money because i like doing it it's fun I, i've made more money there than I have in the other portfolios. Go back and look at the returns. But it's also been with a lot more volatility. It's been with a lot more turnover in the portfolio and a heck of a lot more attention and energy. So uh, you got to be a little crazy, I think, to do it, what I do. And, and thankfully, there are a bunch of crazies out there that, that I talk to all the time because we can be a, a resource for one another. <laughs> And uh, like I said, I just can't wait to get back to being able to do seminars in person so we can talk a little bit about this because, uh, as you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about it. Um, I'm pretty passionate about making people's money last as long as they do. Uh, there are certain things you need to do. There are certain things you need to know. A lot of them are counterintuitive. No, the market's not going to bend to your demands. It's not going to understand how you feel or think. And if it does, it's very rude. <laughs> Because it's always doing things that are going against what you would rather it do. Um, there are different ways of dealing with that. And oftentimes doing the right thing may appear like it's the wrong thing for a pretty long time period, which makes it horribly confusing. And uh, I, mean, I, I just feel bad for people that have to learn all this stuff. But now that I hear the music, that means my show is actually over. You've been listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck and good investing.
You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report. Broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.